0: Yeah, so I'm sitting here with Johan Günther and Matthew Tussler from Orchid Classics and uh, today uh, I would like to or we would like to talk a bit about what it means to to uh, run a label and to do this kind of work and we also wanted to introduce uh, Matthew and Orchid uh, because of uh, a new cooperation that we are starting up together. Yeah, I'm very excited to get to know Matthew a bit more, and and yeah, also to to have a chat about things and label life.
1: Always very happy to talk about label life. <laughs> it's, uh, Everybody is it's a beautiful term. <laughs> yeah.
0: How come you uh, started with Orchid, and what is Orchid?
1: Well, goodness. Okay, so that's a, a very long story, which I'll tell very uh, the very short version of. Um, So I started life as a violinist uh, and was sort of happily playing concerts in the early 2000s um, when in 2004 I decided to start a record label just kind of as a hobby really. It was an evening project doing one album a year for the first three years and uh, being very much a violinist at the same time and then uh, at, at at a certain point, probably in 2007 or so, the management that I worked with called Hazard Chase in the UK um, asked if if I would like for them to get involved and to help build the business and to sort of do it properly and to make it something more than a kitchen table uh, enterprise, as we call them. Um, and I immediately thought that was an amazing idea. So I uh, started working with them, and and James Brown, who was head of Hazard Chase, was absolutely instrumental in those years in showing me how you turn something from nothing into an actual business. And so we had a, a, a fantastic. Uh, person, a couple of fantastic people run the label over the next 10 years and and I kind of watched it being done and just took care of the artistic stuff and artists and projects and, you know, A&R. Uh, again, whilst really being a violinist, um, well, that's certainly how I made my living. And during that 10-year period, it became more and more fascinating to me every day, really, what was happening with the label um, and more and more clear in my mind that that was what I wanted to do one day you know fully with my life and all the books I was reading and all the you know the blogs I was following and all the YouTube videos I was watching and the podcasts I was listening to were all about business and the record industry and this was really my my passion oddly enough and uh so about five years ago i made the decision with the other guys who were involved in the label that i really wanted to do this myself properly i wanted to run the label properly and uh i mean i don't mean it wasn't being run properly but i wanted myself properly to spend my life doing it and so i jumped right in at the very deepest end and took over really from one day to the next and uh learned extremely quickly I suppose that I didn't know a lot of things and I had to figure them out and uh, had a lot of help from the fantastic people who were working with Orchid up to that point point. Um, and yeah so the five years since it's been my full life's project um, and that's been an absolute an absolute joy for me to be able to f- completely fully focus all my attention work wise at least on this one thing and not to feel like I'm being pulled in many different directions but rather that I'm really devoted to trying to do one thing as well as I can and um, we're now we're doing so much now and and you know we did sort of 30 releases or so last year which was uh, which was tremendous and 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 when i think back to 2005 when we did one album and it felt like you know it took the whole year and i couldn't imagine ever doing really more but i wanted to but i didn't know how you would do that and um but then at christmas time when we did a collage of our covers and there were 30 of them we just thought you know wow <laughs> I don't know how we d- how we did that somehow but and we've yeah we're we're working right now at this very moment on album number 200 so uh, I, you know, if we keep going at this rate, we'll double, double quite quickly. But I mean, it's not all about, obviously it's not about the num the number of albums you do particularly, it's just about trying to do the best stuff you can. And, and I feel like we've, I'm so proud of our catalogue and, and some of the things that we've been able to do and, and continue to do. Uh, it's, it's still, it's a bit of a cliche, but it is still absolutely a labor of love for me. So, um, yeah and meeting you guys and seeing what you were doing and and thinking that was also kind of organic for me that that I was introduced to the to the album the wooden elephant album and I just thought it was so completely brilliant and was listening to it on my headphones while I was walking the dog every morning because I just thought it was so good and so enjoyable to listen to and um it was very clear to me immediately that I I thought you know you guys would be great fun to work with so that's yeah that's how we got here that's how i got here
2: it's very nice to hear when you talk about the very beginning because i see really some parallels to what we do now i mean it's pretty much a kitchen table project still on our hands
1: we literally did. I mean, we sat around, you know, my wife at the time, her brother designed our logo and our website and our covers. And my sister's husband at the time was my co-founding kind of, you know, uh, investor and, and worked on it all with me. And uh, it, it was literally like all of our family pitching in doing this stuff, which was, which was amazing. It was such good fun.
0: And and uh, do you still play violin from time to time, or have you put it kind of aside? Like- well,
1: I the, see. The thing is about violin, you know, you, you you know you know how it is. It's really hard to do that, just sort of a bit. Um, and I and I think really quickly you start to think it's a terrible shame to sound so bad and to feel, or, or or just to feel so uncomfortable in your in your fingers. So I I I just sort of thought it was at first. When I took over running the label, I, I really did have visions of still playing a couple of concerts a month and having, playing fun, playing chamber music with my friends. And, and almost immediately it became obvious that that was going to be... That was kind of a, a, a kid's dream that, you know, I was just going to do it badly if I did that. And so I thought, you know, better to just... The, that, you know, it's that old story about the general that sent his army across the across the the water to fight a battle, and he burnt the boats so that they couldn't b- come back. And he sort of said, "You know, you either win or you die. Basically, you can't you can't come back because you yeah. haven't got you <laughs> haven't got a boat." So I I, I kind of love that, and uh, yeah, it's nice. I, I just sort of thought let's let's do this properly. So no, the shorter answer to that would be no. I don't I don't play anymore. No, I mean never say never, but but right now it's not it's not part of my life right now which is very strange because it was entirely my life for, for the first 38 years or whatever it was
0: it must be kind of also a self-identity shift or something that happened often classical musicians you grow so much into your instrument and if you feel well or not not for me at least it's often tied to how much i practice or what you do or like absolutely so much like, uh,
1: it's it's completely it's it's indelibly linked. I mean, I was like violin Matt at school. You know that that's what people call me, and, and or that's what I, I sort of felt like people call me. And yeah, you see, with all all, all the time, musicians, you know, our email addresses are kind of mat.violin, dot violin at. You know, it's like <laughs> our personalities are just so completely uh, inextricably linked with this thing that we do, and it's it's odd and in my case you know strangely liberating not to be uh that person to have a bit of a reinvention uh is Um, is i've I've loved every second of that that element of it i have to say
2: i got a question before like you're saying like 30 albums last year that's even you're saying like it's not only about numbers but that's quite a number uh like what is the i mean you cannot do it alone like who's the like uh, what is the group like surrounding you like who who are the persons you're like um, you're regularly involved uh, and uh, cooperate cooperating with
1: well um there 's a really i mean that's that 's one of the fun parts of it for me is that it 's a bit like you know when I used to have a piano trio or or you know working in chamber music groups, you have a group of people around that you work with regularly that you just enjoy uh, communicating with. And for me, that's what we've been able to end up with for the label. There's, you know, one person who, who, uh, uh, does our design, who i talk to many times a day. And, and it's always good fun to kind of, you know, go through the process of designing covers and, and putting booklets together with him. And, and there's a, Fantastic lady who works on uh, booklet texts and putting all that stuff together to so the sort of the logistical side of bringing a an idea to to life in its physical form. Uh, and there's someone who does our accounts who I've just been on the phone to for 45 minutes this morning. Uh, again, in, uh, which I really enjoyed just trying to understand, just asking questions. What line does what does this line in the in the in the budget mean? And what does the, you know? It's just a constant kind of learning thing. And and Uh, I find all of that enjoyable but there's there's basically sort of four people who I speak to most days um, and working or or communicate with you know every day working hard on getting every album from the moment that it becomes a possibility to the moment that it's actually released Um, and then there's a lot of people in you know on the 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 I wouldn't say on the peripheral but like you know around the ecosystem of of uh, an, an album release you've got distributors and you've got you know press and you've got all the people involved in the marketing and you've got all the people involved in the um, in manufacturing and the in the warehousing and the shipping and I mean there's just a lot of people that you have to communicate with every day um, getting the thing out there and you know released properly but but there's a small there's sort of four four I would say four people that are really that if any of them disappeared I would be uh, very much <laughs> I'd be extremely stressed until uh, and it would be very difficult to replace actually any one of those four people um I suppose me being the fifth if I if if I lost any one of those four um it'd be really hard to replace because it's a very as you know it's a really uh it's quite a specific business and there's quite a lot of quite specific knowledge that you need to do, uh, what you need to do. Um, and so goodness me, if I had to suddenly ask somebody else to to work on the design process or the booklets process or good God forbid the accounting, I mean, it it would, yeah. So let's hope that doesn't happen, but, but all, they're all lovely people and, and, a group that I would happily sit down for lunch with any any time any any time of the day. So it's that's really important for me.
2: But you you don't know uh, you don't you don't meet regularly in person, like um, in your kitchen or in your office, or or is it happening too? Not so.
1: No, not really. Actually, our designer uh, doesn't even live in the UK at the moment, and that's yes. been for, he hasn't done for ten years, I think. Uh, mm. It's it's. I mean, that's something that his obviously so relevant today that you don't i think especially possibly in a business like this you don't all really need to be in the same room and you know in the early days i mean everything has changed in the 15 18 years since we started this but you know in those early days yeah we did have we we had an office we rented and and people sat in it uh and now that that just it's so much more of a benefit to be there's so much more value to just being um, light-footed and not having to have those you know unnecessary costs and um, and for everybody to have to sort of commute and all that stuff and we get to work with people who don't need who don't live in the UK don't need to live in the UK and and it's not there's not been one moment in 10 years of design of the design process that I've thought Oh, I wish he was. I wish he lived over here because I could really do with meeting about this. We've, we've. There's never been an issue with that. We've absolutely communicated and worked if, uh, as efficiently as we as we needed to, and and living in different countries. So that's been that's been great actually.
0: So when when uh, you were starting up with with uh, Orchid in the beginning and you were doing one album a year. The starting pool of artists that you work with were these connected to your uh kind of closed network at the time or or how did you kind of develop your uh your uh kind of yeah artist uh, roster, roaster roster know what you say
1: <laughs> roster, roster yeah well the the starting pool of artists was me um you know i i made the first album and my wife at the time made the second one. She's a terrific violinist, still is. <laughs> uh, but she made an album, and and, and then I made the third one as well, I think. And those, you know, those projects were so like heartfelt. We put so much time and love into them, and and I really did feel like they took a year to make. And and each one, I remember being so excited and happy when they got reviewed. And like the very first album we did. Which was this kind of combination of music and poetry in it, and my my grandfather selected the poetry, and my mum took part in the recording of the actor and i did i mean it was like a proper family project we all did together, and I remember being so happy when we got reviewed got a really good review in The Telegraph in London, and I remember just thinking that's 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 it you know we 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 actually did manage to make that happen um but then yeah when when Hazard Chase became involved, and we started to really think about, okay, how can we go from three albums in three years to, you know, to to an actual business? It we did need to start thinking about how we could uh, create a, a model for the thing and and a, and a a road forwards. And I suppose it was for a long time, and and still is to a large extent just being part of the world, the artist community for me then I I did have lots of friends who were really good artists and so you know uh, when I look back at those first albums a lot of them were just people who I knew and then it started to expand to people I suppose who I didn't have a, an immediate personal friendship with and, and um, I, but I think it remains... It it was in the beginning and it remains now my wish to, to create this sort of community of of artists that I love and respect for whatever reason, whether it's because they're actual personal friends, it doesn't matter so much now, but people that I feel I would like to, you know, sit down and spend time with because I think that they've got, something to say, uh, musically and personally, and that still very much now is, is important to me. I want for us, I want for this label to work with people who are positive, full of positive energy and bring just kind of, uh, uh, yeah, just a, a, a light to the process of releasing albums, um, which, when it happens is an amazing experience when you get an artist that brings that positive energy um it's it's a really the most rewarding experience possible so i'm constantly looking for that and yes it's a version of what it was in the very beginning which was who are my really good friends
0: that sounds very familiar
1: yeah well i think that's how it would always be i mean you that's how you would start anything really i mean you wouldn't start something and straight away sit down and think well who do i not know <laughs> that that i can reach out to you start with with what, what you know what and who you know i think part of the part of what's been interesting to me is to see how it's all changed in those 18 years like it was such a different business i mean in 2004 it was it was like the 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 whole business was at its lowest ebb and it was really there was a general feeling around that it's just burnt to the ground and that there's you know there's nothing there's sort of nothing there to be positive about because it's all been ruined by piracy and you know we don't even have iTunes we I mean we had it was such a just a fantastically different business um and I and I remember I was sort of joking about it in those early days like it was a bit like you know starting a uh, building a ship and calling it the Titanic or something. It's just like, what are we actually doing How? But, but ironically, I don't think we could have started the label at that time if it weren't that environment, because it meant that there was this kind of flat landscape. I think it was, it was, uh, it was all sort of burnt out. And I was able to be, you know, even with one album, and we hadn't even made it yet before the first, before we made the first album, I I was able to call up a distributor based on a recommendation from a friend and say, will you distribute this idea I've got? And blessed them. They said yes. And so I I was like, I was, I had a record label with a distributor before we'd even released an album. And I don't think you could have done that five years before that, you know, late nineties, it was just a totally different world. And, through and then, you know, since the day we started it to now, look at what's look at what's. I mean, basically, you know, I don't want to overstate it, but I'm not even sure. We, I don't think we had YouTube even back then, did we? We didn't have, you know, we did just none of that stuff. Stuff really was present in our lives, and certainly, no, certainly no streaming and no downloading and no none of that. So, um, the world, the recording industry now is is just wildly different, and it's been fun to sort of ride that
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's it's true like 2004 i guess youtube was not really there but also like everything that was like digitally consumed like in the music world was uh illegal <laughs> yeah and it was all yeah. it was, threat.
1: All those, like, it was a massive, yeah exactly like, napster it yeah. was all a it was the enemy um and it's since then it's become you know arguably the savior i mean you know people can debate it but um it's it's created a, a way of moving forwards that didn't exist in in those early 2000s um but yes as a result it was sort of anybody's game anybody could join the game um you know the sort of barriers to getting involved were were dropped um and you know, I think now. I mean, we did. Everybody went through a period of saying, "Well, why do we need record labels?" Why? Do we? And I did have artists, certainly in those earlier days, saying, "Why do I need a record label?" You know, as these things started to, to develop, these social media and all the rest of it, and you had these sort of Arctic Monkeys types um, coming out and creating huge, huge, gigantic uh, recording careers, seemingly on the back of their own social media brilliance. Um, And so, you know, artists were saying to me, why do I even need a record label? And I was having to explain, well, I think you do, because I think it's a better idea than doing it yourself. It's like, you know, you could say the same about being managed as an artist. Why do I need a management? Well, I mean, you don't, you know, in theory, you can go and get yourself concerts. But the reality is that, you know, you're much better off having a manager who can do it well than trying to do it badly yourself, uh, even if it feels like you have to, you know, give up some of the income. and. I don't really often have to explain that anymore because I think we've come now again to a place where people recognize the value of having a good record label and a, a, a good team of people around you to to do things that you can't do on your own. But yeah, this has all happened over the last 10 years of of the industry evolving like it ha in the way it has.
2: I must think of like early talks we had, Matthias and I, when we started where we actually considered like, um, also all the streaming platforms like now to be rather the enemy. <laughs> and we actually wanted to find a way around. We did a lot of like research also in the in the world of like blockchain technology, like uh, direct uh, distribution, like direct copyright um, 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 sales, so to say, like the artists can just, um, like any file is um, concretely, um connected to the copyrights um, and paid in a certain key directly to the artists. And there have been some some really nice um, um, initiatives like in in the states and and also in Europe, which not really succeeded so far, I think. but I also still remember that the moment then when we actually did our first album or the second and the third and and uh, then realizing that there's actually no point for us to, Avoid visibility, even though <laughs> we don't earn um, anything on on being on the on the streaming platforms. Of course, with our very low um, uh, outreach, but um, still, there was no point to to say we um, go against or ignore that um, uh, from the position we are in. We are at so that's just um, how it kind of. Yeah, it 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 dissolved <laughs> very very early, uh, but I still um, know that um, I was busy busy with the idea of, of of doing a label for a couple of years before we actually started together, Matthias and I, and um, and there was always this question in my mind that that um, I couldn't like really believe like that it's not possible to actually sell good stuff. It was in the point where nobody seems to um, nobody was, was was doing any money with the selling music like I don't know like eight years ago or something. it was very hard obviously to to sell um, sell music like digitally like in a way that you could live from it. And, and now I think since so many people are participating it's became maybe a bit easier or a bit more possible to actually earn some money as an artist or also as a label. Um, but, um, but still, it's a bit the question like how to deal with the fact that you're that the, the only channel, how you can get music or content to people is um, through those uh, three, four major platforms that actually um, have a big Uh, monopoly on on everything and and decide on their own what they actually pay out and stuff so is there any thoughts you had like on on those um yeah i mean
1: i think you know it's a great question and and it's obviously so topical you know at the moment we've had parliament investigating it and uh, over here and you know trying to work out if this is sustainable and and I think, I mean, I don't have anything kind of incredibly interesting to say about it, but what I would say is that I think people are slightly remembering a time that maybe didn't exist when you could make lots of money from not being successful. (laughs) You know, the the thing about streaming is that, of course, it's based on volume uh, and you have to achieve what look like huge, huge numbers of streams to make any meaningful income. But the number of streams that you can achieve as an artist obviously is going to be very different to the number of CDs that you can sell. So you can't compare these two numbers as like for like. But but the same applies in as much as some artists do achieve phenomenal streaming. Uh, and when that happens... There is quite a lot of of income in it, um, and it works very well for some artists and some composers. And you might say, well, we're being forced into genres or or styles that we don't like in order to, you know, achieve these these numbers these this sort of streaming volume. Um, but then, I, I you know, I, I sort of feel that it's. It's always probably been that way, that if you want to uh, compete with the, the the real commercial side of, of music, you are going to be forced in certain directions. And so all the same kind of, you know, um, points of pressure <laughs> exist that I think they probably always did, but now it's just moved around a little bit. So I think the point I'm making really is that there is success to be had on streaming and it works very very well for certain artists um and there was never a time when you could release music not have anybody listen to it and make a lot of money that's just never been you know the model of the music business uh, or of music in any way at all um and so you know yes you might say well I I could sell 500 CDs, but 500 streams will only get me, you know. But that I don't. That's not like for like, and you can't compare these two things. Um, but you know, just you only have to browse Spotify for five minutes, and you see you see classical music that's getting 50 million, uh, 100 million or more streams, and that's a you know an extraordinary number of people listening. Um, so it's more a question of whether we like what you think you need to do to get that kind of volume.
0: Interesting point. Should we should we talk a little bit about the cooperation before we uh, run yeah. out of time?
1: Yeah. For me, coming together with your label is a, a sort of a natural and an obvious fit because I feel like we both started our labels for the same sort of reasons and have wanted similar things, maybe, um, in, in many ways, although they're very different labels. And for me, the idea of being able to possibly... I mean, I don't want to call it... Well, I, it's certainly not about helping. It's more just about being able to give some of the stuff that we've been able to build up over quite a long time now um, that m- maybe is is useful... To, to what you're doing, which is in my mind so creative and, and interesting um and you know part of the part of the whole thing that often is uh well certainly for for artists it's often a slightly second thought is the the telling of telling to the world of your project. Uh, and it's it's very much one thing to make an incredible thing, but it's very much another to make sure everybody knows about it. And I think the marketing and the distribution and that side of things, that we've worked so hard for, for over a decade, nearly two, for goodness sakes now, um, to set up uh, to a level that it is really what it, it needs to be. Um, I think that it's really an exciting thought to... to try and pair that up with what you're doing and so it's very clear to me why it's fun for Orchid as a label to be involved with Backlash.
0: It's uh I mean this is for us a little bit like a, also like a shocking learn- learning curve also in a, in a way because <laughs> to be confronted with with uh all the work you've put and everything you have kind of achieved and built up over a lot of time and for us, which where everything is still very new, it's a little bit like oh, whoa, we should be doing this or this is all oh, like uh, so it's like um, we are at least I'm very um, appreciating very much your patience and every all your uh, like you're very considerate in in dealing with with all our kind of growing pains at the moment. So <laughs> also thank you. Well, very that's much nice for
1: that. to know. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a phenomenal amount of work. It's a very admin-heavy business, actually. I mean, it's not its not lo- a light workload, you know. If anybody was looking for something easy and quick to start, it's not that, this is not that. Um, there is a, there's, a friend of mine calls it spade work. I think that, you know, and it, it is, that you do spend uh, a, an awful lot of time just with your spades um, and on the back end of it all, there's a, an, an almost endless sea of spreadsheets and um you know i think luckily it's all in the in the um, in the service of something that's really interesting and creative and exciting um so i don't mind doing it that stuff the spade work um but but there's a lot of it as you as you know as you now well know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's
2: coming coming more and more so that's very good (laughs) Exactly. It's coming more and more, the more you do also that, like the more and more you, you you're into it, you be aware of, um, yeah, the, 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 the question or the conflict, maybe even like the challenge to like, what kind of time in this in between world of development, what kind of time you are actually able to spend for the label, whereas you're doing other stuff, of course for a living on the same time. So I was very much remembering on that uh, uh, when you talked about being a violinist and running in the label at the same time. Now, <clears throat> I also wanted to add um, that I was um, like very much surprised in the beginning that uh, about your approach and also appreciated um, like very soon after we got in touch for the first time um like the um the feedback and the generosity we we received very early on like from your from your end and uh to be honest from for me it was um very um motivating from the from the from the first moment on um to to get a a certain like a positive feedback or somebody also who just likes what we do from the label world you know Somebody who's actually built up a proper business and doing doing a lot of stuff um, that we would never be able to to reach yet, but still like um, being open and generous with your insights and also uh, just with um, the initiative of approaching and getting feedback, uh, uh, giving feedback and and inviting for a corporation, you know, that's nothing you would, you would like initially do like as a, like a small player as we are, uh, from our end. So you're a bit um, dependent on somebody who who is doing it, who has already some experience. But I appreciate a lot because uh, our like um, like very limited experience in the business is of course uh, something that um, yeah grows much. Much um, faster when somebody is there who has already went, uh, gone through a couple of steps that we haven't, haven't even thought of. So that's, um, uh, of course, a, a, a big, yeah, appreciation and also help. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that we, that we cooperate. Even though we often, um, yeah, take quite a long time sometimes to, to realize next steps because we also like in this. Like uh, in between a lot of other other stuff at the same well time. it's
1: it it's it's that kind of uh i think it's that kind of a business uh, the kind of recording business it, it's it's such a steep learning curve that doesn't seem to stop i mean i have not been doing it for that long, but i uh, I still am sort of surprised at all the unknown unknowns. It's like that famous unknown, known knowns and unknown knowns and unknown unknowns. And it's the things you don't know you don't know that get you. And, um, I, I mean, I really... And the more that I talk to people in the record industry, it it has become more and more clear that, you know, everybody is constantly surprised. Um, you know, you can kind of... You can get comfortable with the with the back end of it so that you know you you kind of are not forgetting to do really obvious stuff um, just kind of practically speaking the nuts and bolts of of it. But when it comes to the creative part, like the a r and the marketing and all of that stuff, you just you just never know what 's going to happen really and and um so i 'm kind of fascinated by that whole aspect of it that it is uh, every day I l- sort of learn things that I realize I, not only did I not know, but I didn't know I needed to know and um, and that may not even be true tomorrow. <laughs> so that's, I find that fun.
0: And another thing is that there's always, what keeps happening to me, is this feeling that, oh, I should know, but I don't know really what I actually should know. But there's something here I,
1: I should know. I Well, certainly I still feel that very strongly and certainly the first few days that i took over i mean i literally i took over on july the first and the lady who ran the label before so fantastically well and is still a dear friend and has been brilliant all along um forwarded her email address to me on july the first and i just it was like uh i mean i really didn't know what to do with a lot of those emails and you know luckily she let me phone her up several times a day and and ask what does that even mean but uh i just suddenly had to figure out you know what people were talking about and uh it was brilliant i loved i absolutely loved it um in a slightly terrified way Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so basically what i I want to do is to just talk through each track on the album
3: yeah 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 yeah. okay okay so talking through the track sorry talking through tracks on the album yes so do you want to tell me about we deliver Okay, so track one is with Joe Wright and Ellen Hidruff. They're both uh, Welsh musicians. I know both of them from music college, and they were both on my first album as well. It's a um, it's a saxophone and harp piece because I know them both, and because they're together as well. They're uh, they're married. Uh, I thought it would be fun. It seemed like uh, an obvious thing to do, and I like the idea of working with uh, musicians who are right there and the things that you have available. You know and because they're both both friends and I just thought well why not the saxophone and harp piece and uh and that's how that happened um and the composition of it was uh I was in I was at a competition in uh well uh, my wife was accompanying some musicians at a competition in uh, Romania in uh, Turgu murash and I was looking after I think I was looking after my son and really getting quite bored and wondering what to do and the uh the ideas just sort of the motifs and stuff just came came, came to me and i was then sort of trying to kind of keep them logged for for later and i can remember that's how i wrote this one
0: how do you feel it came out in the end
3: uh it came out very well so i sent this one off uh because i know joe does electronic stuff i know he, what he he says on his uh he says on his website that he does tech stuff. And because I can remember doing like the technology module with him at music college and stuff, I kind of suspected that the the audio quality would be quite good. Considering I think they recorded it in the pandemic. So it was lockdown circumstances, just like in, I think it was just at their home. I guess it was just at their home. And uh, considering with that all in mind, it sounds really good to my mind. I was really worried about how the ba- the instruments were balanced, but that came across really, really, really well. There's a thing about the harp sounding transparent, especially with the, the those kind of low glisses. But then there's a thing about whether it's supposed to be muddy, uh. With and I think I was it. I was sort of happy with that muddy sound. It's uh. It's kind of partly what the sound actually is, and I don't think it's made worse by the recording, if that makes sense. I, although that's something I sort of dwelled on a bit. So we deliver is uh the titles from the book, uh of the film, uh. The book Drive, which inspired the film with uh, the with what's your name Ryan Gosling, um, and it's this uh, absolutely incredible neo noir book, very very sinister, kind of wild, really really fun, and uh, I really enjoyed the book. And uh, there's this book, one of the characters in it is this like um, this mobster guy, and he has a pizza place. And in some of the more sinister places, I think it's after he after he kills someone or whatever or whatever he leaves all these leaflets with these pizza leaflets with "We Deliver" on them, kind of pointedly, and they've got like "We Deliver" written on the pizza pe- on the pizza uh, uh, leaflets. And it's a really nice, it's a it's a really good book in terms of the backstory stuff is really fun in the book as well. There's an amazing chapter in the book which really strikes a chord with me, and it's about the so the the protagonist who's this kind of he's a driver for hire kind of. Uh, person and the protagonist um he has these flashbacks and he has a flashback about uh with him as a child and he's with his mother and his this mother gets this uh flat pack furniture and she's put puts this flat pack furniture together and this is one one chapter in the book and she starts off really excited about it and she kind of and as she puts it together and puts it together puts it together and then at the end of the chapter she's like it's just it's just rubbish. Like it's it's totally not how it appears on the package. And it's a really it's a really interesting, really sensitive, gooey little storyline bit. And it's quite I just think it's amazing to find something like that in a book that is essentially it's like yeah, neo-noir kind of gangster book. And it's a really nice sort of gooey middle bit.